0: Morning. If you would, if you could, turn to John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. The Gospel of John, verse 16 and 17. If you're there, would you all stand? Here is the Word of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but has eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Amen. God, this is Your Word. This is Your desire. And as we dive into Your Word, may You speak to us. Give us the word that we need to hear. Let our heart be really yearn for the things that you yearn and you desire to see in this world, in our church's life, and all around us. So, God, I pray that you will speak to us this morning. Speak through your servant, and may your people. Be ready and willing to hear and take it to their heart. God, we thank you so much and we pray that you will help us in this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So in our series uh, of what is that in terms of evangelism, we are going to look at the heart of uh, the main content when it comes to evangelism. So the gospel. What is the gospel? What does it say? And what does the gospel mean? Because we say all the time, we use the term gospel a lot. Gospel this, by the gospel that, and we use that term so many times in our prayers, in, in in. the way we teach or in the way we receive certain things we use that word gospel so many times but what is the gospel what is it about what does it really mean now the gospel the greek word gospel is simply means good news that's where we get we call uh the gospel in English the good news as well but this word good news the gospel was not exclusive to just Christians you see this was a common word back in those days that the pagan world actually people outside of church used that word it was a common word and that also means what good news good announcing it's a common word we didn't create this The Bible did not create this. Now, for Christians in that period, in that age, it was for them not just a good news. Who Jesus is, what he has done was not just good news, but for them it was the best news ever. That was the news that's the most life changing, life transforming news to them. And for them to share that, they called it. The gospel, the best news, the good news, huge, best announcement to you, the gospel. That's what it is. Then what is that about? What is that good news really about? Now for that, we're going to turn to Paul and Paul who wrote much of the New Testament. And we're going to turn to Romans first. Romans Chapter One. This is how he begins his letter to the Romans in first three verses, he talks about the Gospel, and in some phrases he refers to the Gospel this way: The Gospel of God is concerning his son. The Gospel of God is concerning. His son, the good news, the good announcement from God is concerning about his son, Jesus Christ. Two things we need to establish from the beginning about the gospel is this. First, the gospel is of who? Of God. It's not of men. It's not by us. It is of God. It did not come from any particular individual the gospel did not come from any particular organization it did not come from the church it did not come from the saints it came from who thank you it came from god therefore it is the message of god and one can even argue this is the very heart of god the gospel Second thing we need to establish. The gospel is a message concerning his son. It's about his son. The gospel at its core is always, always absolutely about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And this is what separates the gospel, gospel from any other good, Or wonderful news. This is what makes the gospel powerful, life changing, life transforming. Because it is the message of God. What God has done, giving His Son to us so that you and I can experience who? Jesus. Jesus Christ as our Lord, as our Savior. What that means is that through the gospel we get to know Jesus as the one who saves us from our sin. And through the gospel we also get to know Jesus as the one who is in charge of our lives, the Lord. So the gospel is the message of God that is given to us. And this gospel is all about His Son. Jesus. That is the gospel. But is that it? Is that all about the gospel that we need to know? Not so fast. There are other elements, critical, essential elements that need to be present in your gospel. What are those things? For that, we need to go to 1 Corinthians, once again written by Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8. It says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So here, Paul is writing to the Corinthians mainly about what? Mainly about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is mainly about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But as Paul explains the resurrection of Jesus, he reminds the Corinthians of the gospel. And as he explains the gospel right here, there are five major essential elements of the gospel being communicated by Paul to the Corinthians. What are those? The first and foremost, The first essential element in your gospel that needs to be present is who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? He is the Christ. Now, what is the Christ? Christ is the messianic title. What that means, Christ means it is the title of the Savior, the Lord. And the king. So when Paul says Jesus is the Christ. What he is saying. Is that Jesus. Is the savior. This Jesus is the Lord. This Jesus. Is the king of our lives. So when you present your gospel. What needs to be present. This very fact. This is where it all begins. This truth must absolutely be present in your gospel. Jesus is the Christ. The second essential element you see here in the gospel is what Jesus has done. What this Christ has done. What did he do? He died on the cross. But not only he died, Paul says, on the cross, but he was raised from the dead. What he's talking about is the words of the Christ. Work of Jesus. His death. And resurrection. This is the work that. Christ has done. In order to save. Humanity. So the. Biblical gospel. Must proclaim. This important truth. That Jesus is the Christ. And what did he done? He died for our sin. This cannot be absent this must be proclaimed the important work of our Lord Jesus now the third essential that we see here in the gospel presentation why Jesus has done this why Paul said Jesus has done this he died on the cross why for our sins. Jesus has died on the cross To forgive our sins, to deal with our sin problems, which none of us can deal with, He died for our sins. And when you present the gospel, this has to be there. When you think about the gospel in your own self, and you remind yourself, this has to be there. He died for our sins. No other reason, but for our sin the fourth essential element that we see here as well as must be present in our own gospel is how how do we know this to be true how do we know that everything we just stated is true paul said jesus has done this twice he says in what in accordance with the scripture in accordance with the scripture in accordance with the scripture what does that mean in other words what Jesus did and who he is his death and resurrection all of those were not some random act that he performed but what he did all of those were the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy from the beginning ever since the fall of Adam and Eve from that point on it was what the God the father had in mind Everything points to the cross. Everything points to his death and resurrection. And this is the fulfillment. Jesus himself is the fulfillment of thousands of years of prophecy. So we know this to be true. No one can create this massive novel or drama. This is true. And we also know this to be true. Because Paul simply says we have many eyewitnesses still alive with us. Not only they're present at the crucifixion when he died but we have so many eyewitnesses who are still with us who have witnessed his resurrection. This is true. And then the last essential element in the gospel. This is about how you should respond. What do you do when you hear the gospel? When you are reminded of the gospel, what do you do with the gospel? Here is the only way, one and only way to respond to the gospel. You respond to the gospel with what? Repentance and faith. This is the only way. Repentance and faith. You respond to the gospel by turning to God, turning your back against the world, You turn to God. You turn away from your old sinful ways. It's in the past. Which is repentance. And you not only repent. But you also believe. This is how you respond to the gospel. You believe who Jesus is. You believe what Jesus has done for you. You believe in his death and resurrection. Indeed. I believe. Five essential elements that we need to have in our gospel understanding, gospel presentation. He is the Christ. He died on the cross. And he rose from the dead for our sin according to the scriptures. So that you and I can repent and believe in Jesus. This is the gospel. Amen. You see it here. And there is many other examples there. But if you look at Luke or any other portions in the Bible where the gospel is being presented, you are not going to miss these five essential elements. So it needs to be there. So now, this is the gospel. What do we do with it? For us, for Christians, for the people who have already, responded to the gospel of Jesus, people who have repented, people who believe in Jesus, what do we do with the gospel? Now, that is a deep question. What do we do with the gospel? It's a multi-layered question. I would need multiple Sundays to address this. What do you do with the gospel? But with evangelism in mind, with upcoming friend Sunday in mind with sh- with sharing the gospel in mind what do we do with the gospel first i'm going to take you to couple things that i will appeal to you this is what you do with the gospel that you re- uh receive first it is from philippians chapter 1 verse 27 Philippians 1.27 The front part of that verse Only let your manner of life Be worthy of the gospel of Christ Only let your manner of life Be worthy of the gospel of Christ Whatever happens in your life Wherever you may be What do you have to do? You must conduct yourselves In the manner that is worthy You must behave your life in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your words, your actions, regardless of where you are, who you are with, must be worthy of Christ, must be worthy of His death, must be worthy of His resurrection. That is how we properly respond to the gospel we have in And then what do we do? Secondly, it is from Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, which is the second greatest commandment that was given by the Lord Jesus himself. What is the second greatest commandment? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. The most worthy, the most honorable thing anyone uh, who responded to the gospel can do is to love. If you truly receive the gospel, truly repented, and believing in Jesus, you understand love the, the love of God, the love of the Father. Therefore, you are what you are in Jesus Christ. And you responded. You believed. And what you do, you love on others. You love the people around you. That is the proper response. They're not your enemies. They're not your competition. They're the ones who Jesus, your Lord, died for. They're the ones who are perishing without hearing and without responding to the gospel. So what do we do? We need to love them. Really love them. And that is what we need to do if you truly receive the gospel. By sharing the gospel you have received, you love on those people who does not know the gospel, have not responded to the gospel. That's what you and I should do with the gospel you have. That's what Jesus did.
1: When you talk about the gospel now,
0: we have to inevitably talk about how you share the gospel. How do you share the gospel? When was the last time you shared the gospel? Let's not answer that. My mom shared the gospel to me. My mom led me to Christ. I was 12 years old. We were doing the quiet time in the morning. And that's when I made a decision to give my life to Christ, to follow Jesus Christ, to have him as my Lord. I made that decision when I was 12 years old. On that morning with my mom, for the first time in my life, I understood the magnitude of my sin that nailed my Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. I realized on that morning, for the first time, the great love the Father had for me. And in my response, in my prayer, with my mom once again, I confessed my sin and I repented from my sins and decided to trust in what Jesus has already accomplished for me on my behalf. And it's been 34 years since that morning, since I asked Jesus to be my Lord, and it's been my honor and privilege. What a ride! My mom shared the gospel to me, and here I am. How would you share the gospel? All right, let's
1: talk about it. Now, First and foremost, as you begin this conversation, first of all, you need to be prayerful, you need to seek out the opportunity, you need to be bold, and you've been praying for this individual or people in your life, and
0: you finally get that opportunity, you capitalize that opportunity, we call it divine appointment, divine moment, he has given that to you right in front of you, so you decide to obey. What do you do? You begin your conversation. By reminding them. Telling them that they are not an accident. You begin there. They're not an accidental creation. But God created them. With clear plan and specific purpose. And this God loves them. This God loves them. John 3.16, we read it, right? John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This God loves you. Remind them, tell them, if they had never heard it before, this God loves them. This God created all things that we know and we see this God loves with his great love to the point that he gave his one and only son Jesus for you, first John four and nine also says this in this, what is this? this act of giving up his son for you in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, Jesus is now. Emmanuel, here with us. That God sent His only Son into this world so that we might live through Him. Tell them, and if they heard it before, remind them how much God loves. This is where it begins. Okay, when you open that conversation, this is where it begins. He of you. And then we tell them about the problem, problem we all have, not just them, not just the person in front of you. We all have, and that is the sin problem. Explain to them what sin is. Explain to them that sin is the cause for us to be separated from God from the beginning in the first place. It started with Adam and Eve, and it continues on with us today. Sin. Then, what is sin? Well, what is sin? There is a bull, there is a mark, and there is a bullseye. Anything outside of that bullseye is sin. Sin is disobeying God, God who not only created us, God only, uh, God who loves us, but God who is holy and righteous, who is the King, the Creator. Sin is disobeying this God. And you and I need to tell them how we turn from this old, a holy, righteous God. And we have gone astray at many times in our own way. And we need to tell them they're not alone. Please don't tell them like they are the sinners and I'm not. We are all sinners. This is a good time to introduce Romans 3.23. All have sinned. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. We all went up against rebellious against God. All of us. And this is a good point for us to also tell them about the cost of our sin. The cost of our sin that we committed against this high. Mighty Creator, absolute being, is so high that we deserve death. Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death. The payment of your sin is by your life you repay. There is nothing you and I can do with our own hands in order to repay this debt with our lives. So we address the sin problem. And then we lead them to Romans 5.8. You tell them about God's love once again. In His love, what God has done. Romans 5.8, but God. But God. We were sinners. We were rebellious. We were willfully... Voluntarily and absolutely went against his ways. And therefore, we have to pay with our lives for the sins that we have committed. But God happened. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, once again, in this is giving up his son, isn't it? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You tell him that. When we deserve death because of our sin, when we could not bridge this gap of sin that exists between God and us with our own hands, with our own ability, with our own goodness and kindness, God, in His infinite, amazing, unending love, He sent His Son Jesus Christ, and He came save us from our sin. He came to die. Upon that cross. He lived a sinless perfect life. And he with his life. Paid for our sins. By dying on that cross. Taking on himself. The punishment you and I deserve. And not only did Jesus pay. For the debt we owe. But he also paid. In advance for our present in our future sin. And this is why we think Jesus paid it all. He paid it all.
1: But Jesus did not just die. He rose from the dead. What is so significant of that? That resurrection shows that God accepted His
0: Son's perfect once for all sacrifice. It shows that God's wrath against sin and sinners has been sacrificed. That's what resurrection is about. If he stayed dead, it is meaningless. There is no guarantee that God has accepted the sacrifice that was made by Jesus. But by resurrection, you know it is certain. God has received the sacrifice on be, on behalf of all mankind now, after that explanation, as the people as a person in front of you understand their sin problem, as they understand God's love, what God in Jesus has done, what do we do now you explain to them that all of this is free. All of this is a gift from God. That means there is nothing they need to do to earn more or if they don't do and they will lose some of this effect. Nothing of that. You do nothing to earn this. This is the gift of God. This is where we also share Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you Confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then what happens to you, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes is being justified, he will call you righteous. And with the mouth one confesses and now that person is saved. Two things that we need to highlight in these verses. This is where we tell them, this is what you do with this truth. You declare and you believe. You declare and you believe. All they have to do at this point, first and foremost, is to declare what? Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord. They need to declare, Jesus is the Lord. What does that mean? You explain to them. You surrender your lives. Jesus is the Lord. He is the Lord, not you. He is the Lord. And therefore you submit to his purpose in your life. You declare Jesus is the Lord. And then you must, also must believe. You need to explain they must believe in their heart what, what Jesus did. He died and he was raised from the dead. For them, they need to believe who Jesus is and what He has done. Ephesians 2 8 and 9 is another wonderful reminder for this. It says, By grace, gift, by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, by faith. And this is not of your own doing, of your own hands. It is the gift of God, not a result of words, so that no one may boast. All the glory, all the credit goes to God. Amen? Now, this is where we arrive in your gospel presentation. This is the concluding portion of the presentation. This is where we ask for their response. if they have any questions you encourage them to ask any point of the time up to this point but at this point if they had more questions as best as you can you explain you explain once again if you need to go back at a certain point you go back and explain but at this point at the end of your sharing if they are willing to respond if they are willing to As we just talked about, declare and believe. What do we do? We encourage them to respond to the gospel they heard in their own words. We don't want to put words into their mouth, but we want them to respond in their own words. So this is where we assist them. Assist them to honestly admit to God that they have sinned and fallen ashore, that they are sinners and they are in need desperate need of help. We assist them to understand and say and respond that to thank God that Jesus died in their place, paying for that penalty of their own sin. We assist them to have that desire and declare that Jesus is not only the Savior, but also the Lord of their lives, and you lead them to ask Jesus into their lives. That they ask to Jesus to forgive their sin. Ask Jesus to bring change in their heart, in their lives, as He desires. We want to encourage an expression of faith, expression of gratitude to Jesus for being their Lord. And we pray together. And you pray together. You pray for them. And you encourage that person to pray with you. Grace Point, I, I tell you, if you experience this moment, if you have experienced this moment, then you know how exciting this moment is. There are no words that can adequately Explain how amazing, how wonderful this moment really is. It is a celebration. It calls for a great celebration. The Bible tells us when a soul is earned and won, then heaven rejoices. Wonderful moment, but the work is not done. That's not the end of the work. What do we do? Because we also want to be there to help them to navigate this new life, and we need to show how to follow Jesus. They gave their life to Him just now, and you don't abandon them. You're born, you're good to go, take care of yourself. It's not how we do things. You can't. It's heartless. What do we do? You help them by showing them how to follow Jesus. This is when you can share. Your own life. How you, in your own life, you follow Jesus. What does that look like in your life? And this is where that Philippians 1.27 comes in play. Conduct yourself only in the manner that is worthy of the gospel. If you cannot follow this, then there is nothing to share. Right? There is nothing to show. That's the proper understanding, if you truly understand the gospel, you respond by living out the gospel. And you love on these people by sharing the gospel. And as you are done sharing as that person is in Christ, baby, fresh, you are the one that shows and tells them by your life, by your life examples. This is how I know. This is what I've been doing. This is how I live for Jesus every day of my life. And you share with them how to obey, how to listen, how to follow the word of God. You show them and share with them how to pray. This is the gospel. Amen. This is the gospel. This is what you do with the gospel. The gospel is not given to you so that you would just cherish it and just hold on to it and hoard it. That's the word, hoard it. This is what we are supposed to do with the gospel. Amen? Amen? Folks, whether you feel confident or overwhelmed in leading someone into Christ, whatever I just share, and the essential elements of the gospel, and how you might go about presenting the gospel. As I share that, you yourself know, you heard it. That's why you are here in the first place. But just like anything in life, you have done it and you heard it. But for you to do it again with different person in the different environment. And that calls for some out of exercise, practice. But here is something that I want you to understand. As I shared last Sunday, nobody's fully prepared. Until I am fully prepared, I am not going to share the gospel. Folks, that is number one excuse. I want you to remember that it is not you who at work. It is not you who are doing this gospel presentation. As you share the gospel, God is working in you as you share the gospel, share the love of God. But not only just in you, but God is also working in the person who's hearing your gospel, your presence. And God will make that sense in needs, that realization, that
1: understanding
0: that needs to occur in that person's life. It is not your elephant words. It's not your logic. It's not your blameless, perfect, spotless life that wins that soul. Please don't misunderstand me. It may lead you an opportunity. Certainly. It might present an opportunity because I want to be like you. I want to, I want to have what you have. But it is not your life that wins the soul, saves the soul. It is God who is at work through the gospel that you are presenting. So please don't feel like you have to say everything, what I just said, everything absolutely spot on. That's not how it needs to be. But what they need to see is how genuine, how sincere you are, how loving you are, and most importantly, how God, this God, loves them that you need to communicate amen that's how you share the gospel that's how you share the gospel so prayerfully
1: let us conduct ourselves live behave in a way that we truly receive and responded to the gospel and as we do, When you open that conversation, when you try to open that door, the door, the person, would be open to hear what you have to say. And you love on them. This is not a duty. This is not a chore. Even though we're commissioned to do this, you do this out of sheer love for them. As someone in your life once did for you. It could be your... Loved one in your family. It could be your relative. It could be uh, your friends. It could be uh, someone in the influence, the circle of influence. And you have been conducting yourself in the manner that is worthy of the gospel long enough and you now capitalize. God, you pray for You look for an opportunity. You pray to God for the words to be given. And you share. Without fear. With boldness and with absolute conviction. You tell them who Jesus is, what he has done, and how desperately you may not know now, but how desperately you need Jesus. What that means to have him as Savior and Lord. Explain. Brush up on some of those references I've made. It will be nice to memorize all of these. It would be nice to read, not your own logic, or paraphrase it, or quote-unquote kind of remember, but open. Open. Because that may be the first and last time this non-believing friend will read the Word with you. And that in itself is a win. Folks, I pray that Holy Spirit will give you that desire to share. Amen? Now, Easter Sunday is coming up. Those people who never come to church actually consider coming to church on Easter. Another one is Christmas. And it happens to be, it happens to be our friend Sunday. And if you have someone just... Your house church might be going through some exercise. Just looking through your contact. The names that you never thought of. Names that you never, you know, uh, uh, just in my, in your mind and never been in contact with. Who are these people? What are their conditions? Are they in faith or not? And you do what any gospel responded person would be. Reach out. Love on them. And see what needs to occur. Amen? And this is what we're called to do. Let's pray. I want us to just in light of what we've been singing, what we've been talking about. If you would like to give thanks to God for what occurred in your life, in your heart. You want to remember that person who delivered this life-altering, life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And give thanks to God. You may want to pray that you will live a life that will be worthy of the Gospel, of His death, of His resurrection, so that that we will bring glory, not shame, glory to the Father in heaven. And that will present us, give us that opportunity as prayerfully seek. And when time comes, as the Spirit leads you, nudge you, To open your mouth. And as you share. Pray for boldness. Pray for strength. You can pray for these individuals. That you may already thought of. Pictured them. Have their name, And you may also pray for them now. So that they will hear and respond. Accordingly. As the spirit work in their hearts. So let's pray. Together. For this important endeavor. Let's pray. God we thank you for. Your son Jesus Christ. We thank you. For your amazing love. and God. In in the work of Jesus. First and foremost. We see your heart. Your love for us. How patiently you have endured all of our sin, all of our defiance, all of our act. You made a way, you paved the way for us to receive Jesus. For us to understand and realize your love and the work he has done and our sin has nailed our Lord Jesus unto that tree. but with His perfect sinless life being that perfect sacrificial lamb, and with His resurrection completely removing the sting of death, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth that leads to life. What do we do with this as people who responded to the gospel? What do we do, Lord? We live that out in our lives to bring glory to the name of Jesus and we share it freely. Every opportunity we have. Give us words to say. Give us heart to love on them. And as we do, Lord, it's not us, it's not eloquent words or wisdom and experience on this, but it is just obedient, loyal heart to Your commission. May we carry out this duty and responsibility out of grateful heart. And I pray that You will work Your miracle through Your people, through their willingness, through their love. Lord, may another life, may we witness the birth of another new life in Jesus' name. God, we pray for this. God, we pray for this. May our hearts be right. Uh, may our minds be focused. God, we pray that you will also help us and lead us and guide us in all areas of our lives. The responsibility you have given us and these are our mission to you, At home, at work at school, anywhere you place us to be, Lord, these are our mission field to represent the gospel, to share the gospel by loving on them. God, bless them and protect them. Provide all that is necessary for us to do what you called us to do. We praise you, and may you go with them, Lord. Go before them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.